0: This program is brought to you by the partners of A Awakening International. Help others find truth. Support A Awakening International today. The last words of Yeshua are perhaps the most important in the entire Bible. Michael takes us a step back through time to the final words of Yeshua, the prophet. The prophet like unto Moses that we must hear and obey if we wish to understand anything about this age. This is episode three of Famous Last Words with Michael Rood, because it's the end of the sixth day, the sun has set, and this is Shabbat Night Live. It's that time again, Shabbat Shalom, Torah fans. Welcome to Shabbat Night Live with Michael Rood. With Michael Rood, literally. Michael did a series about five years ago that didn't get much attention, mainly because it was way ahead of its time. Michael does a lot of stuff like that, way ahead of his time. It was called Famous Last Words. Don't know if you even remember that. We were looking through the archives and we found this series uh, that nearly everyone had forgotten about. And when we started watching it, it was more relevant today than it was five years ago, so we we, we uh, remastered it. And we dressed it up with some new graphics, and the message is spot on for what's happening right now in the world. So tonight, we are presenting episode three of Famous Last Words with Michael Rood. So let's talk about that and lots more with the Chief Operating Officer of Rood Awakening International, Ted Clayton.
1: Scott Laird, thank you very much for having me on Shabbat Night Live. And ladies and gentlemen, once again, we have an action-packed program for you tonight. Shabbat Shalom.
0: Indeed, 10 days from now is the uh, The start of Hanukkah on the calendar uh, starts at uh, sunset on November 30th, which is a uh, Tuesday. Yes, And uh, so we're starting Hanukkah that day, and then uh, a few days into that, December 3rd, is gonna be, of course, Shabbat Night Live. Right, But it's a very special
1: Shabbat Night Live. Yes, indeed. We're gonna do a very special Shabbat Night Live. Ladies and gentlemen, we have some of the best guests we could have. First of all, joining us once again is, back with, by popular demand, Chef Rich is gonna be back with us and he is going to be cooking some wonderful things with you, Scott, just specifically for Hanukkah.
0: Indeed, he picked out some of the the best Hanukkah recipes that he could find. We're doing some uh, uh, apricot chicken. Oh my gosh. Oh, and the traditional latkes, things like that. Uh, He's got, uh, what else have we done? Oh, a brisket. Oh my gosh, the brisket. I tell you what, you wanna be on the crew when he's cooking these things (laughs) because, wow, did we ever have a feast that day? It was just a beautiful thing. Uh, A couple other great dishes and he's gonna have recipes for all of them. He's gonna show you how to do them so you can do them at home as well. And they're not complicated. They're they're pretty easy things to do. Uh, So we've got Chef Rich and we need to pray for Chef Rich as well. You'll never guess it, and I didn't know until after we were finished uh, taping, he told us he had a stroke right before Passover. Really? When he he recorded Passover with him, uh, he was five, uh, just like a week after his stroke. And now uh, he's still recovering, but you'd never guess it. So, you know, God spared him. And so thank God for that. But we still need to pray for them. He's got some other health challenges that he's working through. Uh, And he's just a trooper coming in here. He has a smile on his face. He's very happy to do it. And he just uh, goes above and beyond for us. So Chef Rich Hall is who we need to pray for. Well, let's do
1: that right now, Scott. Let's pray for uh, Chef Rich. Father God, we just thank you once again for the life of Chef Rich Hall. He is such a wonderful blessing to each and every person, not only here at A Root Awakening, but around the world with his wonderful uh, feast recipes that he comes and, and does just so generously, and we just thank him so much for that. Now, Father, we're going to ask for your healing touch upon him. Father, Uh, fix the pathways in his brain right now, Father, that have been touched by this stroke. Father, we ask that any... any problems that he may have been facing with this just supernaturally disappear right now, Father, and we thank you for that in advance. In Yeshua's mighty name, we pray. Amen and amen. Oh, amen.
0: Thanks, Ted. And someone we prayed for last week, yes, uh, is also going to be on the program. That's Reuben, Reuben Prager. Reuben
1: Prager. Yeah, he yeah. is just, ladies and gentlemen, he is going to be fantastic uh, to discussing all of the great things he discussed. Uh, you know, uh, he does the beggar debris. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did the uh, half shekel
0: shekel. that he does every year. They mint coins for that half
1: shekel every year. They've been doing
0: that since 1998, I believe. And uh, he's still going strong with that, even though he's uh, working through his own uh, health uh, issues, but he's still going great. Uh, He does a great uh, dissertation on what Hanukkah is all about for us on Hanukkah. And this can be a beautiful thing.
1: And you know, ladies and gentlemen, um, we have something that we call the love gift. Mm. And ladies and gentlemen, this love gift is extraordinarily, special Mike just tell us all about it
0: so Michael likes to give a a, a gift for folks who give to the ministry called the love gift like you said and uh, of course uh, we need some folks to come in and help help with that right now and uh, Carl Gallops. Uh, decided to donate a teaching to us that he did here on the stage uh, he and I had a conversation. Yes. And it's called The Meaning of Life. Now this is not Mighty Pythons. This is, a, <laughs> this is <laughs> the real meaning of life. That's right. Uh, I'll just read the back of the, the DVD for you. It says, ancient Pharisees and new believers alike have struggled with the same question. What does it mean to be born again? Good question. Using simple examples from Jehovah's Creation, Pastor Carl Gallops will reveal the mystery of the gospel with answers to very popular questions like why is there so much pain in the world uh, if Jehovah is merciful? Uh, things that our, our Christian friends and even non-Christian friends yeah. ask us. Uh, how can we say we have the victory when all seems lost? Will I recognize my loved ones when we're all in eternity? Good questions. So uh, Carl Gallops uh, attempts, to his best knowledge, to, to answer these types of questions from his perspective. And uh, so he is, is he a messianic pastor? No, no, he's not a messiahic pastor, but he has some very uh, sage words of wisdom that we think uh, are, are very good, and uh, we're you know, we we're, we're open to hearing from other folks, and Absolutely. so that's why we asked him to do this, Absolutely. and we hope that you're blessed by it as well. So that is for a gift of $50 or more. We'll give you this teaching from Pastor Carl Gallops. If you'd like to donate $100 or more, Michael
1: says, give folks some more things, some more gifts, and that's we right. have a couple of them here. Well, Scott, I tell you, first of all, you know why would you have this small of a menorah? But here's the deal. We do these things so that you can place them in uh, conspicuous areas, like let's say an office desk or somewhere in your home, so you can spark a conversation about your, your faith. And also, these things are great reminders of your faith, of the, of the sacrificial giving of Yeshua uh, when he died for us. This is a great thing. I'm really in love with this. This is a tile centerpiece that is hangable. You can hang it uh, just like this, or you can display it uh, with a holder. Now, this holder is not uh, part of the gift but you can get one of these very inexpensively on one of the online stores and you could put this tile there or you could actually uh, do something like if you were retiling your kitchen or your, or your bathroom, perhaps, mm-hmm. perhaps making this a centerpiece tile for that because it's a real tile, just like all your other tiles that you would be hanging. And it's totally available to do that. Mm-hmm. So just a wonderful thing for that. And that's for your gift of $100 or more. But for your gift of $300, ladies and gentlemen, we have an exquisite uh, reproduction painting Mm-hmm. of the Lion of Judah protecting uh, Israel. And it's just beautiful, fantastic. The detail in this mm-hmm. um, is just uh, just wonderful. It's ready for hanging uh, at your house. And I tell you what, this would be a wonderful centerpiece for your home. And once again, it sparks great conversations about your faith.
0: Indeed it does, and who is the line of Judah and, uh, who, but Yeshua. Yeshua. That's right, and that's who we're talking about tonight. So thank you, Ted.
1: Appreciate
0: it, all right, so the last words of Yeshua are perhaps the most important in the entire Bible, words we must hear and obey if we wish to understand anything about this age. So stay tuned for Famous Last Words with Michael Rood, episode three of four. We'll see you back here in two minutes. Ancient Pharisees and new believers alike have struggled with the same question. What does it mean to be born again? Using simple examples from Yehovah's creation, Pastor Carl Gallops reveals the mystery of the gospel in this month's Love Gift teaching.
1: How can we become a new creature and
0: just live this exotic life? Well, how does a caterpillar become a butterfly and fly through the air? When it used to slink along the ground as a grub. Donate a $50 love gift and we'll send you The Meaning of Life on DVD or Blu-ray. Or, for a donation of $100, we'll send you The Meaning of Life, plus a silver-plated menorah collectible, and this decorative accent tile. Or, as a special offer, for a donation of $300, we'll send you The Meaning of Life, the menorah and accent tile, plus a beautiful frame canvas of the Lion of Judah. Hurry, offer ends November 30th. Call the number on your screen or get your gifts online at MonthlyLoveGift.com.
2: Yeshua said, Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. When did Abraham see his day? When the king of righteousness, the Melchizedek, brought forth bread and wine. And when he brought forth bread and wine, it says that the Melchizedek blessed the most high. And that prayer is still remembered and is what Yeshua said when he blessed the most high, the night of the last Supper." the night before the Passover lambs were slain. Yeshua said, This broken bread represents my broken body, my body which is broken for you. By my stripes you are healed. Do this as often as you do this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup. And in the words of the Melek Zadik, he blessed the most high. Baruch Yehovah, Eloheinu malak ha'olam. Bere, pre, agafin. Blessed are you, Yehovah, our God, king of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. And Yeshua said, this represents and has represented from the time of Abraham, the renewed covenant. My blood will purchase for you. As often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. Shabbat shalom. Many times people say their last words with their last gasp of breath. And as Pancho Villa said uh, as he lay dying, tell them I said something. Well, fortunately, in the scriptures, we have the last words, and these last words were not spoken in the last dying gasp. These words were spoken and they are in the scripture because they are the, the culmination of an entire lifetime of experience that's finally boiled down to this moment in time that believers need to know and to understand these things. As uh, Shaul said, the things that were written aforetime time were written for our learning, that we through patience, endurance, and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. These things were written so that we do not need to make the same mistakes that were made in the past. We can circumvent these things because we're given the instructions and we're given the wisdom of the ages. The last words of King David recorded as as such He says that the sons of Belial, the liars, the liars must be handled with an iron glove and a spear with a long staff. They must be utterly destroyed wherever they propagate. In other words, kill them all, let God sort them out. And in his last instruction to Solomon, he says, now when I die, these are the people you need to take out because they, even though I've made peace with them, they are going to attempt to take the kingdom. They are going to undermine you, so you need to understand that there are people like this. And uh, you know this has been a very hard lesson that I've had to learn in my life, is that people that I've entrusted with, very significant powers in my ministry, turned out to be literally sons of Belial that would lie, they would do anything in order to try to steal uh, the ministry, the ministry assets, and everything else from my intellectual Property, everything I've done trying to not only steal it, but to shut it down. And, you know, and and it's like, it's hard to believe. David had to make peace with some of these people, but he said to his son Solomon, kill them all, let God sort them out. The last words of Peter, he said that Yeshua showed him how that he must shortly, he's going to die. He said that false prophets, are among you today, and false teachers will constantly manufacture innovative heresies in order to make money, to make merchandise of you but he said prophecy does not come by the will of man. It does not come by going to a prophecy conference and paying you know, your, your offering to get in the $100 or the $1,000 line to, to have soothing sayings spoken about your future fortunes. Prophecy, he says, did not come by the will of man, but it comes when holy men of God speak as they were, are moved by the Holy Spirit. Now, the last words of Solomon, basically, been there, done that. Let me tell you what it was all about when you take your last breath. Solomon had the ability to do anything he wanted to do, and he did, and now he's saying, this is what it's all about. The last words of Moses are, you know, start out, uh, which are, the first four words in the book of Deuteronomy, Devarim, these are the words, and these are literally the last words of Moses that are to be repeated forever. Every seven years, the entire nation is to get together, and it doesn't matter if a person is three years old or they're 10 years old, they are going to stand as the entire book of Deuteronomy, Devarim, is read to them. Every seven years of their life, they are going to hear it over and over and over, because as David said, the Almighty made known His ways to Moses, His acts unto the children of Israel. We saw what He did. Moses knew what He did, and He revealed His ways and His uh, His ways to Moses, and that is what is to be read every every year of relief, every Shemitah. And it is to be done in one sitting, or one standing in this case, just like it was delivered from Moses to the mixed multitude just before he went up on the mountain and died. Just before Joshua, Yehoshua, the Savior, led us over the Jordan River to the other side where we were circumcised for the first time in 40 years and then we kept Passover and then we attacked and destroyed Jericho. The last words of Yeshua to his apostles and the last words of Yeshua overall are the most important words that have to be understood. And the last words of Yeshua to his apostles, his sent ones, that he sent out, called back together, continued to train, those sent ones, these words were spoken after the Last Supper that he had with his disciples. Judas had left the room to purportedly, uh, in the thinking of everyone else there, to buy provisions for the Passover that was transpiring the next afternoon. And we see this uh, in the Chronological Gospels when you go through this, so this is uh, page 226 And this is when I speak of over three, more than three hundred incidents in the life and ministry of Yeshua. I put all of these under one incident, incident number one eighty-one. This is the uh, on page two twenty-two. This is the Last Supper before Passover. Uh, The time of the meal is stated in John thirteen one and two. Uh, and it says, now before the feast of Passover, when Yeshua knew that it was always come that should, he should depart out of this world of the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them to the very end, and after the Last Supper had ended, then we see what transpired. And so I actually uh, just put this one category down, the Last Supper, and then we have incident one, Yeshua and his disciples recline for dinner the evening before the crucifixion, which is also the night before the Passover is sacrificed. Number two, Yeshua interprets the rehearsal of Melchizedek's, the Melchizedek's bread and wine. When Melchizedek brought forth bread and wine to uh, to Abraham and he blessed the Most High, and as Yeshua said, Abraham saw my day and he rejoiced. When the bread and the wine was shared by the priest, Uh, by the Melchizedek, the king of righteousness, Abraham gave him a 10th of everything in his empire, a 10th of everything. He was so thankful to see the broken body and the shed blood. Number three, during dinner, Yeshua announces that one of them will betray him. And then number four, after this is section four under this one incident. After dinner, Yeshua washes his disciples' feet to teach them the kingdom servants' attitude. Five, after Yohanan is covertly shown the betrayer. Judas is sent on an unannounced errand, presumably to make last moment purchases in preparation for Passover the following afternoon. The leavened bread and the leavened disciple are removed from the upper room, which is literally you know it's a, it's a townhouse it's a upper room in a townhouse no bathroom no running water couches that they're going to sleep on they're going to recline to eat on and uh, and they've been staying out in uh, bethany uh, bethany uh, for these uh, previous several days this is the first night that they actually stay in Jerusalem And then uh, number four, Yeshua's first warning to Kepha that he would betray him three times before the crowing of the cock. And then seven, Yeshua instructs his disciples to purchase a sword immediately uh, because a prophecy needs to be fulfilled. He is saying, uh, uh, now, whoever does not have a sword, let him take his purse or bag of provisions and even sell a garment and buy one because I'm telling you that which is written, he was reckoned among the transgressors and this must still be accomplished by me. There is a reason for everything that is written concerning me Then they said, Master, look, we have two swords. He said, it's enough. And one of those swords, Peter's going to pull out and he's gonna whack off the ear of Malchus, the servant of the high priest. Now this is going to end him up in the the hushka immediately except for the fact that Yeshua picks up the ear of Malchus, sticks it back on the side of his head and heals him. So he was numbered among the transgressors because you don't come after the temple guard and take a sword and cut the ear Ear off the servant of the high priest. This is, uh, you know, this this is like uh, you know, pulling out a gun and shooting a police officer. Okay, you know, talk about a transgressor. Uh, and, and this is what Yeshua said: If you if you got to go out and buy something, because again, the last supper was not Passover. It's not a High Sabbath. It's the evening before the Passover lambs are sacrificed, the evening before the bread is to be removed completely out of the house and from the nation. And then number seven, Yeshua teaches his disciples around the dinner table. And this is is John chapter 14. And I'm going to take you to that moment in time and as I was going over this, I realized that, you know, I could spend weeks on Yeshua's last words but there are just a few things that I think that we need to, to grab a hold of here because these are Yeshua's last words to his apostles. And there, there, are, there are words that are going to be comforting to them and I want to go to John chapter 14 verse 12 it starts out verily, verily, which is the word truly, and whenever words are written twice in the scripture, remember that is an ancient artifact that is there to, uh, to show emphasis. It is like shouting, okay? When the, when the seraphs, uh, the, the beasts, living creatures, shout holy, 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 that is louder than is humanly capable of doing. Holy, holy, holy. When it's written three times, this is the tantamount to shaking the rafters of the universe when these living beasts cry holy before the throne. Here, Yeshua is in their face and he says, Truly, truly, I say unto you, he that believes in me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do because I go to my Father. So the things that they saw him do, they are not only gonna be able to do, but even greater works than those things because he's going to the Father. Now it's Yeshua that's gonna work in them to accomplish and he's gonna continue on. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, in my authority, that will I do, I will do it, you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, in my name is representative of, it's not, you know, in the name of Jesus or the name of Yeshua. That, that's not it, it's uh, according to his will. And we know he has given us his will. Yeah, and we're gonna see this, what he says to his disciples because we're gonna grab a greater, greater context here because if we know his will, he will do it because he wants his will to be done. And his will is that the Father is glorified. And so all we have to do is call on him and ask according to his will and he will do it because he wants the Father to be glorified. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep. Guard, guard my commandments. Guard them, guard my words. If you love me, guard my words. That's why I say the guardians of the Aviv, we guard Yeshua as the Messiah, we guard him as the prophet. And this is where the basis of this is. We are to guard Shomer, Shomer his words. Shomer his instructions and I will pray the Father. I will ask the Father, pray is ask, ereteo, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. I'm not gonna be with you, but I am going to ask the Father, he's going to give you something, it is a gift. It's, It's the spirit of truth, which the world cannot receive because it doesn't see him, neither does the world know him, but you know him, And you will know the spirit of truth because he will dwell with you and shall be in you. It is literally, as Shaul says, it is Christ in you, it is the Messiah in you. Now, when I read the King James and I listen to it, you know. Last night, I, I, all night long, I'm listening to Alexander Scorby. I love his reading because he has changed uh, through the years and 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 reread some of his stuff. And I mean, such power, such passion, that you know, when Alexander reads part of what I'm going to read to you, you can hear in his voice he starts to break down. It's hard for him to read the words of Yeshua because you can hear the tears in his voice. They're there because. Because I know he gets it, he gets it. I just love Alexander Scorby because this is not, it's not a job, he loves it and he keeps on doing it over and over and replacing things he'd done in years past. Now he's getting the sarcasm too. He's getting the sarcasm because if you don't get the sarcasm, you're you are missing the point. But here, he says that this spirit will be in you. It's gonna be in you. It's going to be the Messiah in you. He said, I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you, and that is the spirit that will be in us. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me, because I will live. And because I live, you are also going to live, because I'm going to raise you up on the last day. At that day you shall know that I am in my Father, in you in me, and I in you. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, when you have that gift given, then you can no longer deny him because he is in you. See, that's why those who who uh decide, you know, they 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 finally decide, come to the conclusion that Yeshua isn't the Messiah, and they become rabbinites or or whatever, or they become um. This one guy uh, became a Buddhist. Why? Because he doesn't have and never had the spirit. These people that can deny Yeshua never had the spirit. Let's get back to Yeshua's words here. He that has my commandments and keeps them, guards them, has his words, his commandments, and guards them. He it is that loves me and he that loves me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. I will make myself known to him. Guard, guard his words, love his words. That's why the rest of my life I will be sharing the Gospels because this is what I've been from Genesis all the way through all the prophets, it's taking us to the prophet and he has to be understood. That's why so few Hebrew teachers teach anything about Yeshua because they don't know him. They don't know him and some of these people, they, they, just, they just turn and become uh, rabbinites. They, 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 they begin following the rabbis because they have no idea who Yeshua is. Don't know him, don't know him. Wouldn't know him from Adam. Now, we continue on. John chapter, uh, uh, well, well, let let me read uh, just a couple verses. Yeshua uh, uh, said to Judas, uh, Judas, which is his uh, half-brother, not Iscariot, he said, if a man loves me, he will guard my words. He will guard my words. If a man loves me, he's gonna guard them. He's gonna protect them. He's not gonna let anyone change them. He's not gonna let anyone twist them. They're not gonna let anyone forget them. If you love me, you will guard my words. My Father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that does not love me will not guard my sayings. He will not guard them and the word which you hear is not uh, and the word which you are hearing is not mine but my father's which sent me and these things i have spoken to you being yet present with you but the comforter which is the holy spirit which to whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, and bring all things to remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. See, that is the work of the Holy Spirit, is to magnify, to guard, protect, and remember the words of Yeshua, to make them clear. And the closer you are, and the more the Holy Spirit is working in you, the more the magnification of Yeshua's words will be pronounced to the world. That's why all you hear in Christendom are stories about Jesus. You don't hear what he teaches. Chapter 15, Yeshua, again, to his apostles, his last words, these have to be remembered. I am the true vine, I am the true vine, verse one, and my father is the husbandman. And now we're gonna get a figure of speech here, okay? This is a metaphor, okay? A simile is I am the true vine and my father is as the husbandman. Now it is a metaphor, he's a husband. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he purges it, he prunes it. This is what it is, he prunes it. If you are grafted into Yeshua, Then, if you bear fruit, then you're gonna survive, but you're gonna get pruned. The Father is going to prune you. He's gonna cut off the unnecessary shoots that will never produce fruit. That's why it says in Hebrews, because Yeshua was tempted in all points like we, yet without sin, he is able to succor those sucker is to cut off the suckers that that grow up in the middle, like a, an apple uh, apple tree. This is what I I did summer after summer. Worked on the apple orchard, Nelson Nelson's apple orchard. Uh, my father um, uh, ran a Pearson's orchard up on 66 and 44, right on the corner there, and uh, outside of uh, Ionia, Michigan. And uh, my job was to cut off those suckers, those shoots that would never produce any fruit, but they've got plenty of leaves, but you cut them off. And then some you have to cut off, and then you have to dab them with pitch so that they they do not run, the sap does not run out, and take the life-giving sap. And so this is what the Father is going to do. You get grafted in Yeshua, and he's gonna start cutting. He's gonna cut off things in your life that do not count, will never count at the end of your life. You're gonna be so thankful that these things did not come to pass and he, he prunes it so that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean, verse three, through you are clean through the word of which I have spoken unto you. You are clean, which means to be pruned. You have been pruned by the words that I speak. You're gonna find out that I'm already cutting these things off because I have spoken the words of the Father, and we're gonna get down to business. We are gonna do the things that matter so all of eternity you will have the result of this. Abide in me, and I in you. This is abiding. This is like the sap going through. You are grafted in. It's like a slit in the bark is made, on, on three sides, the top and two sides, and then you're cut at an angle, you're placed in, you're nailed in, pitch is put around you, and I've done this thousands of times, and then the life-giving sap will go up into you. It doesn't matter if you're a natural branch of Israel that's broken off. If you're a Gentile, from the, a pygmy headhunter from the tribe of Zulu, when you are grafted in and you abide in him, he will abide in you, the life-giving sap will flow in you, and that is the Holy Spirit. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, you cannot, except you abide in me, you cannot bring forth fruit. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth fruit, because without me you can do nothing. If a man does not abide in me, he is cast forth as a branch, he's gonna get completely cut off, it's gonna be withered, men are gonna gather them and burn them in the fire. And this happens all the time, ladies and gentlemen. It happens all the time, people who are cut off because they don't bring forth fruit, the spirit is not living in them, they're not following the leading of the spirit and they are gonna get cut off and you're gonna see them finally as they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, my words, my words, the words of Yeshua have got to be your your blood. That's why I did this, this is why I read the chronological gospels all the time because finally I have Yeshua's words in context. This is the greatest gift I've ever given myself. It took 40 years for me to be able to read this. If my words abide in you, you will ask what you will, and it shall be done for you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so you shall be my disciples. As a father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. If you keep, guard my commandments, you shall abide in my love. If you do not keep his commandments, and do what he said to do, and do what Moses said to do, if you're not following Yeshua and his example, then you are gonna be cut off. Even as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. See, the Father, gives a word to Yeshua to clarify his commandments. They didn't change. Yeshua didn't come up with a new set of rules, a new set of commandments, no. It's the same commandments that you don't add to and you don't subtract from, period. That's it. No one adds to the Torah. No one subtracts from it. Yeshua clarified it. And if his spirit is in you, then you are going to bear fruit. If not, you're gonna be cut off. Change the channels, go someplace else. I will offend you, he will offend you. The Father will make sure you're offended and so that you hit the dusty trail and that we can be purged, the body can be purged of those things that will never bear fruit that are just the game players if his words are to be that living sap that runs through us by way of the Holy Spirit, if we are to guard it, we have to see what Yeshua's last words to Israel. When he says to keep and guard my commandments, we have to see the culmination of his entire ministry and what he says in his last words to Israel and the multitude of disciples just two days before his crucifixion. This is Yeshua's last sermon on the mount. His first sermon on the mount is is Matthew chapter five through chapter seven. Now this is his last sermon on the temple mount and we go to Matthew chapter 23. Then spake Yeshua to the multitude and to his disciples. Now, I'm gonna read this out of the, uh, out of the chronological Gospels here for a moment, um, and, um, and I, I have added in italics these words so that, again, dividing things up into different segments uh, so that you get the understanding of what is transpiring. After inspecting the treasury, in which the widow had given the two mites, the wealthy gave less, which is the incident, 173, just before this. After inspecting the treasury, Yeshua, for the last time, addressed the multitude and all of his disciples who were present in the temple court, saying, the sages and the proshim, the Pharisees, sit in Moses' seat They purport to have Mosaic authority. In fact, uh, uh, there's a a footnote on this uh, that takes up the entire next page and a half of text to describe exactly what this is talking about because in every synagogue, there was a seat of Moses and when the rabbi sits in the seat of Moses and makes note, makes a law which changes biblical law, it, it is as binding as what Moses spoke at Mount Sinai and is binding, and even more so than the words in stone that were given to us at Mount Sinai. This Friday, and so this is what they do when they sit in Moses' seat. So he says, the sages of the sit in Moses' seat. They purport to have Moses' authority. Therefore, whatsoever he Moses commands you to observe, and that's how it reads in the ancient Hebrew text of the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew's Gospel was originally written in Hebrew, attested to by all of the early church fathers and historians. Papias wrote and said that John, now Papias is a disciple of John, who wrote the Gospel of John, he said that Matthew wrote his Gospel in the Hebrew language, several did their best to translate it. And what we have, our English versions are translated from the Greek, which are translated from the Aramaic, because Aramaic words still remain in our English text, and the Aramaic is a paraphrase in translation from the Hebrew. But in the Hebrew, Matthew, Every quote from the Torah and the Prophets is word by word, letter by letter, perfect, whereas the Aramaic is a paraphrase. The Greek is a translation of a paraphrase, and the English takes it even further from that. But here it says, whatsoever he, Moses, commands you to do and observe that, observe and do. But do not, Do not, Yeshua says do not. This is a commandment of Yeshua. Do not, do not under any circumstance follow the Takenot and ma'asim of the Pharisees. They're talking about the laws which they make to change or negate biblical law where they add to and subtract from. Do not follow them. Do what Moses says to do. That's the word of Yeshua. You don't wanna believe it? You're none of his. You wanna follow the Pharisees thinking, Well, oh, Yeshua said follow the Pharisees. No, he didn't. Just in your particular English version. Do not follow the Taka Note in Masim of the Purshim, for they say, but they do not do. This is what is called the figure of speech ellipsis. They say, but they do not do. They say what? They say they follow Moses, but they don't do what Moses says to do. That's what the figure of speech is all about. They say, but do not do. It demands that you supply the context. They say they follow Moses, but they don't do what Moses says. To do. I'll read it from the King James. Oh, I'll read it from the chronological gospels. They bind together heavy burdens which are grievous to be borne, and they lay them on men's shoulders, but they will not lift a finger to help. This is religion, ladies and gentlemen. Yeshua, in his last address on the Temple Mount, he is putting religion where it needs to go, on the path to hell. All religion will lead you to the lake of fire. They bind heavy burdens, and they, they, they bind them together. They're the ones that make up all these rules and regulations, but and they put them on men's shoulders, but they won't lift a finger to help all of their works that they do, they do to be admired of men. That is their motivation. They want men to admire them and look up to them. They enlarge their phylacteries. They put the big boxes on their heads and wrap them up. That's not even what the scripture's talking about. But this is what they've turned it into. They lick in the tzitzit on their tallites. They, uh, so that it puts on a bigger and bigger show. Oh, you should see some of these. I mean, you know, go to Mesharim. I'll take you there on the tour. You see, they're the longest, I mean, they are just really audacious, the seat the, the seat. It's for them to remember not to put on a show. They love the places of honor, at the seats of the, at the feast and the seats of honor in the synagogues. And they love the greetings and public markets and to be called by men, rabbi, rabbi. No, it's like, no, it's said twice. To be called rabbi, rabbi. Oh, because rabbi means great one. And you have, you have so-called messianic Jewish congregations that they tell the people to call the, the leader rabbi. They all call me rabbi. Why, because it means great one. They are up here, you peons are down there. If you find yourself in any place where they're calling the person rabbi, well, let's listen to what Yeshua says, because we're gonna guard the words of Yeshua. We're not playing games with them. Don't allow anyone to call you rabbi. This is what Yeshua says, don't allow anyone to call you rabbi. And so if you have somebody that tells you to call them rabbi, you can tell them to go directly to take their choice, rabbi, oh great one. Yeah, great one, you're a moron. I'll call you moron, I won't call you great one because you all have one great one, Messiah. You are all brothers, you're all idiots. We're all on the same level, we're all down here. This is what Yeshua, guard his words. If the Spirit's in you, you will guard these words. If not, you'll make your own religion. Do not call any man your father upon the earth. Only one is your father, and he is in heaven. Of course, we all have fathers, but this is Papa, Pope. Don't call anyone father. Yeah, the Greeks call their priest father. He says, don't call anyone father. What is your father, don't allow anyone to call you the teacher, master teacher, for there's only one who is the teacher, the Messiah, the teacher. He that is greatest among you shall be your servant. Now, let's put it in context. You wanna be great, then be a servant. He who exalts himself shall be abased, but he who humbles himself in service to others will be exalted. We'll continue on. Yeshua's last words. Listen, people, listen. Woe to you, sages and proshim, you hypocrites! See, hypocrite cannot be said, you know, calmly. It has to be said with some fire some enthusiasm, and then he says, you shut the gate to the kingdom of heaven right in men's faces. You are not going in, neither will you allow those to enter who otherwise would go in. Woe to you, you sages and for shame, you hypocrites. You devour widows' houses. You steal their houses. And for pretense, you make these long prayers, that's why you're gonna receive the harshest judgment. You're thieves, you're deceivers. You steal widows' houses because you make these rules up that if they give you uh, their money or their husband, they're gonna take care of you. They're liars, they're liars. Got them on television. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're gonna, all you have to do is send in your mortgage to Old greasy slime bag hairdo ministry, and God's going to bless you with a Rolls Royce. What are you, sages of preaching? You hypocrites, you traverse land and see to make one convert, and then you, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Woe to you, you blind chairs. That's what it says in Hebrew. Not blind guys, blind chairs. They sit in the seat of Moses, you're blind. You sit in the seat of Moses, you're dead blind. You have no idea what the Torah is about. You got people who say, yeah, yeah, you're gonna go to a, a, a Jewish congregation to learn the Torah. Yeah, you blind chair, you go sit in a blind chair. Beautiful. You say, whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is an oath which must be kept, but whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple is obligated, uh, uh, is obligated to keep his word. You, you, you blind fools. Okay, if you swear by the temple, it's not an oath which must be kept, but whosoever swears by the gold is obligated to keep his word. You, you blind fools. What is greater, the gold of the temple that sanctifies the gold? You also say that whoever shall swear by the altar, it is not an oath which must be kept, but whoever swears by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty if he does not keep his oath. You blind fools. You tell me what's greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift? It's like you're just making this stuff up. Oh, you're gonna tell me which is greater, what's more important? You are idiots. You are fools. You're complete morons. Whoever shall swear by the altar swears by it and everything on it. Whosoever swears by the temple swears by it and he who dwells there. He that shall swear by heaven swears by the throne of Yahweh and by he who sits on it. Woe to you, sages of persim, you hypocrites. You pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, these little bitty spices, but you've omitted the weightier matters of the law. Judgment and mercy and faith. These ties you ought to have done, but you, you should not have left the other undone. You blind chairs. You strain at a gnat. You swallow an entire camel. Woe to you, you sages, you wise men, you you Pharisees, you hypocrites. You have a hundred regulations on how to clean the surface of a cup and platter, but just under the surface, you yourself are full of extortion and excess, you blind prosheem cleanse first the inside of the cup and platter and the outside may also be clean. Woe to you, you sages for shame, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful on the outside, but inside they're full of the stinking, filthy bones of the dead. Even so, you also appear righteous to men, but within you're full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Woe to you, sages, you wise men, you prosheem, you hypocrites, while you diligently maintain the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchers righteously, you adamantly declare that if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. You are witnesses against yourselves. You admit that you are the children of those who killed the prophets. Go ahead, fill up the full measure of your father's iniquity, you serpents, you offspring of vipers. How can you possibly escape the damnation of hell if you do not repent? That's what it says in ancient Hebrew Matthew. It adds, if you do not repent. Look, I'm going to send prophets to you and wise men and sages. Some of them you will crucify and kill some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city, so that upon you may come the responsibility for all the righteous bloodshed upon the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who you slew between the temple porch and the altar. And of course, in your King James's, the blood of Zechariah, the son of Barakai, it's not correct, it's not in the original, it was added by those who did not even know the story. It was a scribe who added it later on. No, this is Zechariah most likely, as we deal with the chronological gospels, the father of Yohanan ben Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the temple when he refused to give up his son and his wife, Elisheva, who had just fled from their home into the wilderness. Truth I say to you, all these things shall come upon this generation. Is 28 of the common era? 68, according to Maimonides in Jewish reckoning, is when the temple is destroyed. This generation. Oh, Yerushalayim, you that kill the prophets and stone them which are sent to you, how often would I have gathered your children together, even as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you refused me. Behold, your house is left to you desolate, and in 40 years it will be destroyed. You shall not see me again until you say, in the words of King David, Baruch haba b'shem Yehovah. Blessed is he who comes in the name of Yehovah. Then Yeshua stormed out.